Well, we, uh, we live in a world or in a culture that uh, cherishes uh, perfection, that cherishes perfection. We've talked about perfection here before, and um, we, we, just, we just love racing along at high speeds, and we love just, just being able to be awesome. And so as I was getting ready for this sermon and, and thinking about this sermon, you know, and thinking about a measure of a man and what's the measure of a man and, and, and everything, and so I, I decided to Google image, search Google image for perfect, perfect man. And this is, what, this is what I found, perfect guy. He's got the EMT tattooed there well buffed um he's washing dishes and got that you know that 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 thingy there that he just he just that he just you know he just keeps going he just keeps going now ladies because i love you and because i don't want to get your hopes up if you are waiting for the perfect guy this is what you're going to look like right here that's what you're going to look like if you're waiting for the perfect guy because that perfect guy doesn't exist because he's not going to be doing the dishes because he's always got one more set of curls to do before he gets home. So he will not have time to do the dishes. And this perfect, this perfectness does creep into the church. It creeps into the church. And, and uh, the, the, the church we're looking at, the, the job performance or the performance review that we're looking at is a church that, we're, that deals with this. And I, as a pastor, I, I deal with this as well. I, this past week, I got an email that the subject headline was this. Is your worship team hurting your worship service? Everybody else's worship team is awesome, but your worship team is limping along and it's hurting your worship service. Now, I've, I feel confident of sharing that because it's not our worship team that's hurting our worship service. It's that teaching guy that keeps hurting our worship service, right? But this keeps just cycling down into the church where we feel like perfection is the only way to go. What happens when you're limping along and it seems like everybody else is racing? I saw this from a friend of mine a couple of weeks ago. He's a pastor, and, and uh, if, if, if we sat down at lunch, it, and I, I told him about this, we, we would laugh, but, but he, he posted this on Facebook. He posted this on Facebook about his study set up, uh, two computer monitors, Logos, clean desk, Logos is the, is, the, is, is the cat's meow of Bible study software. There's easily 2000 probably about $3,000 worth of equipment and software right there. You know, what's my setup? I'm glad you asked. This is my setup. <laughs> Given to me iPad, thank you, by the way, and um, uh, st my sticky notes, right, Paul? My sticky notes, hardbound Bible, you know, everything right there in the cafe. That's my study setup. What happens when it seems like everybody is racing along, but you're just limping? But you're just limping. And like I said, this is, the, this is the church. This is what the church is dealing with today that we're looking at. The church of Smyrna in, in, in Revelation chapter 2. Before we read what Jesus says to this church, let's just set this up just a little bit. Imagine being this church, being this church, and, and, and you heard rumors that Jesus showed up to John, a guy that was a pastor in an adjacent town, and maybe he preached and taught at your church some. And Jesus showed up to John, and, and, and he, gave, he gave this vision to John, and John wrote it all down. And he's going to send it to seven churches, and you're one of those seven churches. And you've been dealing with some pressures and stuff, and so you're just excited to hear directly from Jesus. And, and you find out the rumor, the rumor is actually true. 
Jesus did show up to John, and John did write it down, and you're going to get this letter. And then you hear the pastor goes, I've got the letter, I've got the letter, I've got the letter, it's ready. Come, come, come. Let's all join in. Let's all listen to this letter. And you get, a, you get together in the house, and, and you're excited to hear what Jesus has to say to you. Okay, Revelation chapter 2, verse 8. Write this letter to the angel of the church of Smyrna. That's us. That's us. That's us. That's us. Yes, 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 yes. This is a message from the one who's the first and the last, who is dead but now alive. That's good. That's good, right? You, you've already read about Jesus in Revelation 1. That's pretty exciting. And he, he, he tells you about who he is again. I know about your suffering and your poverty. Thanks, Jesus. Appreciate it. But you are rich. Okay, well, that's nice. I know the blasphemy of those opposing you. Okay, yeah. They say they are Jews, but they are not because the synagogue belongs to Satan. That's, that's nice. Don't be afraid of what you're about to suffer. Wait a minute, hold on, Jesus. <laughs> it's all good that you point out what's going on right now, but what do you mean about to suffer? What do you mean about, what, what do you mean about to suffer, Jesus? The devil will throw you, throw some of you into prison to test you. Whoa, ho, Jesus! The de- what? I thought this was supposed to be encouraging. You will suffer for 10 days. But if you remain faithful, even when facing death, I'll give you the crown of life. Yes, that's nice. Anyone who hears... To hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he's saying to the churches. Whoever is victorious will not be harmed by the second death. Well, thank you, Jesus. What about right now, though? It seems like you just, all you did when you wrote to us is point out our limp. Hey, look at you all. You're a limp. <laughs> and this is Jesus, right? Close up the scroll and go, have a great week. We're here to serve. Have fun. What happens when you're limping, but it looks like everybody else is racing? This church was enduring suffering, enduring suffering that would be persecution, slander, and they're about ready to face even more suffering of going to prison. Now, we don't necessarily face that suffering here in in America, but we still face suffering. Anything that is done to us that's beyond our control is suffering, natural disaster. The sun shines on the righteous and the unrighteous, and the rain pours on the righteous and the unrighteous, all alike. Natural disasters. We've also got the suffering of disease. Rogue cells and and, and rogue viruses and rogue chromosomes and rogue hormones, all causing disease and suffering. And both of those, both of those are because of sin, not because of our specific sin, but because we as humans have sinned. The creation was, was created as perfect And because of our sin, we broke creation, and the creation groans out for redemption. And now creation itself goes rogue, and we've got cells that go rogue, and our DNA goes rogue. I mean, anywhere from the common cold to eyesight to cancer, it happens, right? We didn't ask for it. We didn't plan for it. We didn't cause it. 
but it's suffering nonetheless. But then, but then there's suffering because we have uh, uh, become a victim to somebody else's sin. Now, before we get all bowed up about that, remember, anytime we sin, there's no victimless sin. We have dragged other people into our sin by causing them to be a victim as well. But anywhere from slander and gossip to lying to rape and abuse and murder and, well, you haven't been murdered because you're sitting here, but Paul's with me, Paul's with me. <laughs> That's deep, right? Nobody's been murdered here because you're still here. Okay, okay. And it happens, right? The suffering happens. And it looks like everybody else is racing along, but you're just limping. And to this church, Jesus says four specific things. Two of them have to do with his character. Two of them have to do with the blessing that flows from his character. He tells them, I'm the first and the last. That's a direct image from the first week, two weeks ago, when he says he's the first and the last. And what does that tell us about him? That he's the completer. When we're going through suffering, when we're going through suffering, what do we want to know? Will it come to completion? Will it come to completion? Will it end? And he's saying, I'm the first and the last. Whatever I start, I finish. Whatever I have started in you, I will bring it to completion. But it's not enough to bring it to completion, right? We want to be victorious. What does he say? I'm the one that was dead, and now I'm alive again. He conquered death in the grave, and he conquered suffering. And he is the conquering completer. He wants you to know this. He screamed on the cross. He died, and he rose again, conquering and completing suffering once and for all. He's the conquering completer. But he's not like Gaston who is the conquering completer, but he is all about himself. He serves. So what does he tell us? What does he tell this church? He says this, to those who hear, to those who overcome. Now listen, hearing and following is a simple concept, but it's not easy. To the one who has ears, let them hear. That's, 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 that's in our language, hearing and following. It says, to the one who overcomes. Overcoming, conquering, might be simple, but it's not easy. He says, I, I have for you the crown of life. I have for you the crown of life. The crown, the crown. Smyrna. As you approach Smyrna, not because I was there, but because history annals tell us this. As you approach Smyrna, all the, the temples to the gods were all around the edge of the city, and, 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 and it was symmetrical. They built it symmetrical. And as you approach Smyrna, it looked like a crown. And he uses this imagery. You think your city is beautiful. I'm going to give you the crown of life. The crown of life, the crown. The crown is given to somebody that is a conquering completer, right? And he says, I'm going to give you the crown of life. I am the conquering completer, but I'm going to give you the spoils of my conquering and my completing. This is like the mouse that is riding on an elephant, and the elephant squishes all the foxes that want to come and, 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 and eat the mouse. 
And the mouse goes, we sure did it, didn't we? And the elephant thinks, we? I'm the one that squished all the foxes. Jesus, 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 he's the one that completes. He's the one that conquers. But he gives us the spoils of his completing and conquering through the crown of life. And he says, and he says, you won't face the second death. I will not allow you to, to, to face the second death. Uh, a, a late, great basketball, college basketball co- coach named Jim Valvano, who had cancer ravaging his body when he, when he made a speech at, at the ESPY Awards, which is a sports uh, award that ESPN does every year. He, he made this speech while cancer was ravaging his body. He said, cancer may touch my body, but it will never touch my soul. I believe that this is actually what he meant as well, but we'll hijack that statement and and, and put it into, into this context. Death will touch your body, but it doesn't have to touch your soul. Death will touch your body. It will. Death rate? 100%. Sorry to break that news to you. 100%. But it doesn't have to touch your soul. For those of you that are here, that just checking the church thing out and, and not quite sure about the Jesus thing and everything, here's what I want you to hear. Here's what Jesus wants you to hear. Look, 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 look. Death will touch your body, but it doesn't have to touch your soul. I am the Savior. As we've already sung about this morning, I am the Savior. Just hear and follow me. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you did last night. Just follow Me, I'm the conquering completer, and I want to give that to you. And for those of you that that is settled, the salvation thing is settled, death will touch your body, but it will not touch your soul. It'll touch your body, but it will not touch your soul. He will allow you to live eternally with him. What happens when it seems like everybody else is racing along, but you're limping? None of us are immune from this. See, as, as, as Paul was led us in laughing about this this morning, I mean, this church, we, we go financially month by month and week by week, and you think, man, when can we get out of this? And this series and this sermon in particular just has probably spoken to me unlike any other that I've preached here before. Because as as leading up to this and and, and, and thinking about us and like we're just limping along and it seems like when I when I show up with with other pastors and pastors lunches and pastors pastors conferences and stuff it feels like I'm in the middle of a bunch of thoroughbreds and they're just racing along but here I am just some little pony with a limp in his step. What do you do? And the question hit me. I think it was God asking me this question. Would you be okay if my plan for Crosspoint was that you went month by month for the entire time? 
Now, in church and in small group, we're like, yeah, right? Yeah. But when you get that email showing how much you limp, and you want to hyperventilate right there in Starbucks, it's when it gets real, right? When you get that phone call showing how much you limp and you want to just go into the fetal position and get in bed and not have to deal with it, it's when it gets real, right? It's not real here. We're all spiritual here. It's real tomorrow. Would you be okay with limping the rest of your life if that's the plan God had for you? Here's what I do know. I would rather Crosspoint go month to month to month but still take that next step forward than to have a million dollars, everybody praising our name and looking good, but refuse to take that next step with our mission. What does the measure of the perfect man look like? Maybe it looks a little bit more like this guy. Anybody can be buff in their 20s. See, purity is endurance. Jesus has earned our endurance. Purity is doing something the same way every day for the rest of your life. Maybe, maybe a better picture is actually this guy. I believe this guy's name is Michael. He's Venezuelan and he, well, he participated in the Boston Marathon. The winner of the Boston Marathon finished in just over two hours. This guy finished in 20. 20, nearly literally a day later. What's his problem? His muscular dystrophy. He limps permanently. But you know what he did for 20 hours? Took the next step for 20 hours, for 26.2 miles. He can, he can put that blasted sticker on his van now, okay? So that he can drive back down to Venezuela. He took the next step limping right along. Every one of us has muscular dystrophy. Maybe not literally. Every one of us limps. And our church will limp. We'll always have a limp. Somewhat, somewhere, somehow, something. We'll always have a limp. But are we willing to take the next step? See, what Jesus told this church was this. Nothing is wrong with you. See, that's what we ask ourselves. What's wrong with us? Right? What's wrong with you? He said, nothing is wrong with you. He didn't tell anybody, he didn't tell this church to repent. He didn't tell them to repent. He's like, nothing's wrong with you. Just be faithful unto death. Not necessarily a martyr's death. Just be faithful until the day you breathe your last breath. Every day. Don't worry about tomorrow. Every day. Be faithful that day. Limp towards me. I said this without meaning, and I believe it was God. 
to Nicole as we were talking about this sermon and our reality and etc. said, I would rather limp towards Jesus than race in the opposite direction. We've got five more churches left and we're going to see some churches that are racing in the wrong direction. I would rather limp towards Jesus than race in the wrong direction and think we're doing okay. We all have a limp. And every church has a limp. Even the ones that are racing along. Don't hide the limp. Jesus loves limpers. Our culture doesn't. Our culture will throw us aside. Jesus loves limpers. And simply asks you, will you take the next step? Because he says, don't fear. Courage isn't the absence of fear. Courage is, despite the fear, you take the next step for 26.2 miles. Because life is a marathon, not a sprint. There's going to be people around who are fellow limpers, simply wanting you to limp towards Jesus. And if you need to pray with them, if you need to uh, talk to one of us follow fellow limpers, please do. Otherwise, start practicing on your homework this week. Here's what to pray. Ask God, God, give me the strength today to limp towards you. Give me the strength today to limp towards you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this day. Thank you for the chance to worship you. We thank come before you and praise you and rather than strengthen ourselves give us the heart to take the next step to limp to limp along and be okay with that because you give strength to the limpers you said that in our weakness that is when you are strong In our limping, that is when you are strong. You are the God of the impossible. And the impossible is having people who limp race and keep going and enduring. Let us be a people who endure, not because we're awesome, not because we have strength, simply because you do. We limp towards you. Whatever we're scared of, let us take, give us, give us the courage to take the next step. It's in your name we pray. Amen.